Have you ever thought that you had everything figured out? That you had all the answers until you found out that you didn't? It may have been in school. It may have been with growing up in a church and your religion. I don't know where it is, but many of us have found ourselves in that place. And I found myself in that place when I started in youth ministry. I'd been an intern for a long while, and I thought I knew everything there was to know. And so the first night, I said, what we're going to do is we're going to do a team-building exercise, and we're going to paint the youth room. And as we started to paint the youth room, I realized, A, we should have had a plan. B, should have given some instruction But before I could say a word, what happened is paint was put on tables, paint was starting to be painted on walls, and there was no real rhyme or reason. And what happened is there was this division that occurred between two different groups, because in this youth group I had a group of folks that were going to private schools and and schools within Madison County, and I had inner city Jackson youth. And so the lines were drawn between economics and race and it became a look at what they did to our wall we didn't want that done to in our church and i found myself in a place of confusion a place of uncertainty a place of dissension and frustration a place of anxiety in my own heart And today we're going to hear about an encounter with Jesus that that left an intelligent, accomplished man named Nicodemus scratching his head in bewilderment. And this encounter takes place right after the table turning in the temples when Jesus has done everything to upset the religious elite. As Jesus comes in and says, I know that you thought you knew what we were doing, but we don't do it that way. And the Jewish leaders aren't happy with him. And Nicodemus is a Jewish leader. He is a Pharisee. And he's, but he's drawn to Jesus. He's drawn to this new way. He comes seeking to know more because he says, there's something good and there's something great about this man and his teachings and the way in which he is calling people to live. It's different. But I'm intrigued. And he comes seeking to grow in wisdom Which starts off by reminding us that placing our trust in Jesus Christ means that we must withhold that ultimate loyalty and trust for Him and Him alone. We must withhold it from those other things that are asking for our allegiance and say, no, my first allegiance is to God. And in placing our trust in Jesus means noticing that this new life that Jesus offers can at times be especially difficult to understand and accept, especially for the religiously accomplished, those that think they have it all figured out. When when Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, we go, wait a minute, I've been in church all my life and I thought this was just how it was. And it can become difficult to repent of the ways that we have self-satisfied with our religiosity, the ways that our Faith has become a barrier, a barrier to understanding the new things that Jesus offers and asks of us because we say, oh, I already know. And Jesus' response to Nicodemus when he comes seeking wisdom, seeking understanding of this new way, when he comes questioning, 
how we can experience this new thing. As Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. And in his explanation, we hear him say these words in John chapter 3, beginning of verse 14, where he says, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then we hear this familiar verse that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son, His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And you see, those who believe in Him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. That first phrase of just as Moses lifted the snake it is an allusion to a text in Numbers and it would recall to their mind or to Nicodemus' mind of how God's saving work was present in the world. That in the wilderness when they were wandering there was a very present danger. But God was able and God did protect the people. And just as we may find ourselves in a wilderness surrounded by, by present dangers of opposing views, of ego, of self, of division, of hate, God is continuing to proclaim, I will protect you even now. The raising of my son Jesus Christ. We are called to believe and to trust in this truth. So there was division in that youth group that I was talking about earlier. And, and then what started to happen is they, they would start to paint over the walls before youth group or before Sunday school, before I was there. And then we ended up with a big black blob on the wall. And everybody thought it was hideous because they started to paint over it. And then they realized they ran out of paint. And so for a long time, probably six months, there was this black cloud if you will looming over our youth room but it was literally a black spot on a wall and time and time again somebody would come to me and go can we please get paint and paint over that and I said no we're not going to do that and they said well why not and I said because we need to see it to remind us of how we have divided ourselves to remind us of the hate that came up from something as basic as painting a wall because we wanted it done our way and they disagreed and about six months in the entire youth group came together to me and said we want to paint over the wall and I said okay if we want to as the whole group and everybody said we do we're tired of seeing this mark and I had a friend of mine and I, who was doing majoring in art at Millsaps, and I called him and I said, what would you charge me to, to paint a mural on our wall? And he said, I'd just pay for the can of paint and then let me use it in my portfolio. And I said, absolutely. And he painted a mural of the church with, with chaos all around and in big letters across the top it said, amidst the chaos, 
the church stands. Amidst the chaos, the church stands. Amidst change and shifting, the church stands. Against difference and division, the church stands. And it may not be the physical plant church, but God's kingdom stands. The scripture reminds us of the one text that we love, which is 3.16. But the problem with having 3.16 sometimes can be that we forget or disregard what is around it. And 3.17 is one of those verses that oftentimes gets forgotten. And if we forget verse 17 where it says that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through Him, what can happen is we find ourselves condemning and judging our neighbors and others. As we find ourselves believing, well, Jesus loves me and people like me. And we find our, I find ourselves kind of doing like I did when I was growing up. When I was growing up, me and some friends, we had a game that we would play called Flashlight Tag. And it would have one person with a flashlight. If they shine the light on you in the darkness, then you were it. And this game was fun on so many levels. But one of my favorite things to do is go hide in a place and throw something towards another friend of mine. So when it made a noise, the flashlight would be shined on them and I would be able to hide even better. And don't we do that with our faith as well? We, we find ourselves, as we hear about the light coming into the world in our text, we find ourselves stealing that light, claiming it as our own to shine and expose it on our neighbor so that we can hide deeper. We find ourselves believing that we get to define what is right or wrong, who is in or out, as we shame others. And as we shine it on the others, we expose their hurt and their guilt, their shame, and we hope that people won't see us so that we can hide in the shadows and in the darkness, hoping not to be exposed or vulnerable or attacked, hoping our sin won't become known so that we can shine our light on others and their sin will be known. We want to keep our evil desires and our sinful expressions and our selfish ways hidden, but we want to expose others. And sadly, we live in a world where we've become pretty adept at adapting to the darkness. We, we find ourselves fooling self into all sorts of lies and rationalizations that I'm okay, but them, they're the ones that need to be exposed. We convince ourselves that Jesus came because God loves us and people like us, and everything is fine and dandy if we can stay in John 3.16, and if our notions of who is worthy of God's love aren't challenged. But John 3.17 challenges those notions as he says that we learn that God doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. And all of creation is worthy of salvation. And placing our trust in Jesus means that we also must confront the inconvenient truth. That God's purpose for those that God loves are not synonymous with our own. That we may not have it all figured out. And when that happens, we play flashlight tag. As we try to expose the sin of our neighbor and hide in the darkness to never expose our own.
today's text exposes how any one of us might reject the light offered to us. That we might flee from the light to, to hide in the shadows because of the way it exposes what is dark within us. And we don't want the darkness within us exposed. We don't want to own our sins. But over and over we are called to live in the light. To believe the good news of Jesus Christ that is mentioned in John 3.16 and 17. To believe this good news in a way that brings salvation requires more than just believing that. Believing that it happened. But it requires putting our trust in it. To trust in Jesus is not simply to believe something about what happened long ago, but to let Jesus transform our lives as we allow this story and all of Scripture to shine a light on and within us and to show us the darkness within self. And we continue sharing and living out the story of God's resurrection and salvation for God's kingdom and God's creation and all people. So a challenge for us is this. Shine the light of Christ within. Confess your allegiances to those things that are not of God or other than God. And allow God to be your first and foremost desire. Expose those barriers of I know and I've got it figured out. I know how it's supposed to be that keep us from hearing and trusting Stop shining the light onto others and allow the light to shine on, in, and through you as you do the internal work to expose the darkness and become who God desires for you to be. Amen.